Hey, Star Wars fans and Rule the Galaxy fans. It is Joe in the pilot seat once again. And uh, tonight we've got a great show. This is episode 145 of the Rule of the Galaxy podcast. Not only do we have some of our regular co-hosts, which are great all on their own, but we've got some wonderful, wonderful special guests. So we like to bring on from time to time. And obviously from the numbers I've seen from the shows they're on, you guys like to hear them too, because they're some of the most popular shows we have is when these two gentlemen are on our shows with us. So uh, again, it's episode 145 of the Rule of the Galaxy podcast. Always follow us at Rule of the Galaxy SW on Twitter and Instagram, Rule of the Galaxy podcast on TikTok, Rule of the Galaxy Facebook and YouTube. We, oh, Rule of the Galaxy SW at gmail.com, which I do have some emails here. I'm not sure we'll even have time to read them. Um, and, uh, gosh, DDoc started some new beacon AI website for us. I'm sure he'll promote that when he comes on here in a moment, he was having technical difficulties, but with all that being said, I will start with one of our regular co-hosts, my cousin, my good friend, Alfie Molinero. How are you, Alfie? Doing good, Joe. Uh, been looking forward all day to talking about this episode and seeing these knuckleheads back again. That's, you know, that's good. I'm hoping to get some good impressions from Glosson tonight okay <laughs> uh, impressions I like that we'll see if we can get at Attenborough uh, on here later um we'll go uh you know what I always throw things around let's I'm just going to throw a dart and it's landed on Mr. Adam Bray a special guest from up in Michigan Adam how are you howdy ho boys and girls <laughs> I'm doing pretty good. I'm I'm feeling a bit naked and self-conscious because I don't have toys in my background like Steve, and I'm just looking at all his toys and getting a little jealous and envious there and wondering, is there something off to the side that I can pull in view, but how am I going to do it and get it on camera um, without looking all awkward and forced? So hey, maybe I, I Steve like can like migrate some of that. I think you're making me feel more manly just looking at all the wood <laughs> around you and everything, the nature. Uh, so I, I like your background. Yeah. You stick well, with what's you. you. Stick with yeah, what's well, you. Well, thank you. Well, that's you're not welcome. my doing, actually. My dad built the room, but but I recovered those baskets in the back. Those are handmade baskets from ethnic minorities in Vietnam up in the mountain villages and they did not even make them to sell I had to go and accost them and beat them up on the side of the road <laughs> throw their babies out into the ditch that were in the baskets put it on my oh. back and then just run away on my on my motorbike as fast as I could <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna say that story it's not really true Adam 
<laughs> was it true really you accosted people well, in vietnam there is truth in it okay there's right. truth in every good story <laughs> okay we'll we'll come back to that at another time when we don't want to have somebody come after us from some group i guess um hey in the shades uh our good friend steve glosson how are you steve well that's me uh doing well thanks for having me on alfie sounds fired up adam's got his tall tales a spinning and uh and i've looked like a pretentious jerk in shades so i think all is right with the world thanks for i'm excited i'll be honest with you i'm excited to talk um about the show as a whole talking about kenobi because yes. i've not really put my thoughts out there on any podcast including mine own so i'm i'm looking forward to hearing what you guys think and and bouncing some things around so should be fun it will be it will be because i i would say there is a huge amount of people who are blasting out this is some of the best star wars they've ever seen and then i've seen a smaller group say this just didn't do it for me um I, i'm of the camp that i just want to enjoy star wars nowadays i, I don't want to get into the battle lines on it but this show did bring out some things and put some thoughts into my head that really do filter out to the rest of star wars and and this show kind of sparked something in me so um before we get into kenobi have you guys been doing anything cool star wars recently have you bought anything new have you seen anything new have you interacted with anybody new across the board anybody anything new going on alfie i know you've been great with your your daughter azalea you've been posting out some great things because of yeah. her love for star wars and we've been opening a ton of stuff <laughs> nice i will show you one thing give me a second that we have not opened and i don't think i will open you got it you go get that steve i, I know you as as adam mentioned before you are um just covered up with toys back just there behind around. you well i have a fun story yeah. i yeah. have a fun story I, th this room serves as an office for me and so um, a lot of times uh, in my other job, in my actual job, I will come in here and use this area to do some studying and stuff, particularly like on a Sunday afternoon, getting ready for our Sunday night Bible study. I walked in here the other day and, and what you can't see is just how much stuff there is piled all over. And I lost my footing and the shelves directly behind me, mm -hmm. um, I stumbled back into. Those are my Marvel Legends shelves. Oh, yeah, and they all took a tumble. They all oh. came tumbling down. Um, I was okay, but uh, I'm looking forward to um, having the opportunity to just pick them all up and reset the shelves. It's it's a it's kind of it's one of those things. You're like no, 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 but then I'm like, you know what? It'll be fun getting everything set back up. That's so, right. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Oh dear. De but yeah. but Steve, you do as Alfie and I have been really going through, and and now D Doc, uh, as uh, we've been jumping into our six inch black series and mm -hmm. things like that. And this is my next one to open. This was a gift from Alfie actually, uh, Jar Jar Binks in the in the six inch black series. But we've said the heck with it. We're gonna let them breathe. We're gonna yeah. get them out of the packaging. You are an out of the package guy as well. Look at look at Cap right there. Dun, 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 dun. Ooh, um, you know what? One. I'll tell you, it was the Black Series figures that made me go out of the package. I early on, I mm -hmm. number one because I kept the boxes, 
And if I wanted to put them back in a box or display, I could, you know, they, it was, it was easy. It was easy putting them back in. Um, but two, they just look so good on the shelves out of the box. And now with the pat with the plastic free packaging that Hasbro is going to be doing, um, you know, I don't want to display just a box, you know, I'm, uh, let's, let's get it out of there. Let's, let's bring those things out. So, um, I think they've made it easy for a lot of collectors to go ahead and open. Yeah. Uh, they haven't made it easy for a lot of collectors to go ahead and collect because with, with plastic going, apparently cardboard is more expensive than plastic because they, those prices have flown on up. So <laughs> yes, they have three and three quarters. We're going for like 20 some odd dollars, right. Or close to like it. Right at it. Like 17, I think now. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'd, uh, it's, it's, it's a tough pill to swallow right there. Yeah. Alfie, go ahead uh, real quick. You were going to show us something you are yeah. not going to open. I picked up this the other day. Sorry if there's a glare, but. Mm. Uh, oh, that, white yeah. Boba Fett. Yeah, the white Boba Fett Black oh, yeah. Series. I think it's from 2008. It was the first release. It's a little bit later than that. It's, it? it's um, yeah, it's um, the, the, the Black Series proper didn't start. Yeah, 2014, until, you're right. Yeah, until until around 2010 or 11. That's a blue line, and it was a Walgreens exclusive when it came out. I was fortunate enough. I was working in a small town at the time that had a Walgreens, and I just on a whim went down to the Walgreens to check to see if they had the prototype fed on the shelf, and sure enough, they did. And it's the only time Walgreens has ever been kind to me with exclusive content from Walgreens. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've had That's a, a great piece. Yeah. yeah, it is. It is. It's gorgeous. Um, so, D-Doc, you were able to hop back on. Let's give you a test here, D-Doc. How are you sounding? I think I'm good. I am on oh. my, uh, I'm on the better computer. And while we're showing stuff off here, let's see I it. Just finished, uh, I just finished the Lego helmet series, Darth Vader helmet, Ooh, just nice. in time for the uh, finale. Look at that. And I will say, um, I will say it was not the most fun build because, as you can imagine, it's a lot of black pegs where... This was the first time building a Lego where I actually, I would usually just sit there and grab from a pile. Um, and this is the first time before every bag, I had to sit there and sort out every single piece because everything <laughs> just blended in with each other. So right. the payoff is great. It looks awesome. So I haven't built a Lego in a while. So that's where we're at. There you go. There you go. I love it. Um, Lego is one of my non, I, I just video games and Lego. I just can't, I, I can't let myself dive into that. So Lego is a dangerous road to go down, man. <laughs> yeah, Lego is. is very, because it is addictive and it is fun. Mm -hmm. And now they've got this Optimus Prime coming out that actually transforms oh, by taking yeah. it apart. And I'm just, I'm, I've been on a bit of a Transformers kick. Transformers are hard because they're expensive as well. Mm -hmm. But, uh, but I've been on a bit of a Transformers kick because I loved Transformers as a kid. And some of the stuff they're doing is really neat. This is um, this is a, a race car. This is drag strip. Not a big deal. He's one of the stunicons. Um, in the uh, in the old version, he was a little bit smaller, and when he and he forms one of the arms of Minosaur when all the stunicons huh. come together. And in the old version, he would simply kind of pull apart a little bit and be the arm. You know, he would extend and, and be the arm. Once they put out all the stunticons, they've actually engineered this thing so that he can't come into two pieces. But when you stamp him onto the body, there's a mechanism in here where he'll actually come apart and form the arm in two pieces. And it just, it's a really cool thing. And they've sold a lot of their engineering and stuff they're doing 
has been really cool what Hasbro's doing with their Transformers lines. And um and it's you know, there's some that aren't as good as others, but I've been I've been back kind of diving back into that a little bit and and uh finding some joy in the old Transformers. So anything you can find joy in, Steve, I'm all for. Oh yeah. In today's <laughs> world, if it makes you if it makes you smile or makes you laugh, oh, I yeah. say jump right in, right? Yep. I mean there's enough craziness going on out there and people falling off bicycles and gas prices being as they are. It's there's, there's a lot of sadness. in the world. Let me ask a quick question about the transformers there, Steve, are they yeah. accessible? Can you actually buy these in the store? Um, you know what? A little bit easier. The, the, the distribution seems to be from what I've told, what I've seen on shelves a little bit better um, than what they're doing with, uh, with even GI Joe. Um, and definitely a little bit better than star Wars. Things are going to swing on the pegs a little bit longer. The, the, but the deal is, is they, they're, they are a little bit more expensive, um, on, on a price range with then, um, then, then, then your star Wars, uh, stuff. So I think that lends them to being on the shelves a little longer or being in stock on the online retailers and stuff a little bit longer. Um, and they're also doing a lot of different little lines here and there. So, it's a lot easier to kind of pick and choose what you want to collect and not try to be a completist, you know? And so like for me, I'm very much the generation one kind of stuff. And, mm -hmm. uh, and so anything that's kind of a nice throwback to the generation one stuff I'll, I'll pick up, um, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not trying to complete any certain amount of collection or anything. I just see things that I think are neat and I'm like, yeah, I'll do that. You know, I can afford that right now. Um, but, uh, but because prices have gone up so much with everything I've, I've had to cut back, uh, substantially in the past few months. So being a completionist is tough. I mean, it's it just the only Especially thing that when I... the shelves are empty. Yes. Yeah. 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 You, you know thing, what? I... Well, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, Adam or Steve, you were both okay. showing. Go ahead, Adam. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I was going to say, uh, the price, uh, is really killing it for me. Um, the, well, there's a, there's a bun bunch of issues, but the, the price is one of the biggest ones. Um, Cause the, like black series, you know, what are they 25, 26 uh, is the base price. And a mm -hmm. lot of them, there's quite a lot of them are like 30 and 30, yeah, 32. Um, they, they just use any excuse they can to make it a deluxe figure. Um, and the, like you guys said, the vintage collection, um, they're, they're tr trying to make as many as they can, 17, 18, 21, $28. And it's just nuts between that and the plastic free packaging, which they're much further along with that for like, um, like the GI Joe and the Marvel legends. I think this fall, it goes plastic free star Wars. They're to try and seem to be dragging it out a little painfully a little bit longer um but it, it's just too much so between that and the the constant uh, repainting you know you get you get a car carbonized and you get like a retro colors and you know or you get one with a john favreau head uh, you know just <laughs> little things i just I can't, I can't buy that. So I'm, I'm definitely no longer a completist uh, in the black series. So I, I've cut back on everything too. The only thing that maybe I'm still, I'm still getting everything are the, the Star Wars vintage collection on, on the cards, like the figures that I used to buy when I was, you know, a little kid in the eighties that in the retro 
the retro figures that are designed to look like the Kenner figures. At first, I didn't mm -hmm. like them because of those stupid red stickers on the cards and the stupid faux finish around the edges. But, you know, actually, the, these Mandalorian figures and the upcoming Kenobi figures have really sold me on the line. At first, I with the Mandalorian figures, those were the first ones I bought because um, I figured I had the, the original Kenner figures as a kid. Why do I need to buy repros again? But I got the Mandos and they looked so good. Then I've started buying them to open loose because the first ones I had to keep on the card. And I realized these figures are so much fun, especially to, to have with my original figures. Mm -hmm. So now I'm looking back at the other ones and I'm thinking, okay, maybe I need some of them too, you know, just, just for the fun of it. But they really sold me on that line. I think it's a lot of fun. I hope they do a lot more with that, you know, make some creatures and vehicles and things. I think, um, I think especially with the price point, you know, it kind of, kind of reset figures back a few years from the price point standpoint that's more what i want to pay more of what i can afford that what is it like eleven dollars now um around there i would be happy if they took a hiatus on everything and just gave us these retro styled figures maybe take the stickers off and the the, the faux finish but <laughs> you know i'd be happy if they stuck to this for a while because i just can't afford to keep up with the other stuff right now it's just too much Absolutely. Absolutely agree. The, the, the key that they, I passed on the original little waves of retro figures because they're, I have those figures, you know, and, mm -hmm. um, and, and they were putting the ones that we didn't have in these board games. And I'm like, that's right. a cheap move by, by them. But when the man, when the first Mando wave came out, I was all in because they fit right in pretty mm -hmm. much with the, the vintage Kenner style figures. And then the second wave of Mando, I've kind of passed on because none of the figures really jazzed me up much. Even, even the Boba Fett, when I saw him on the peg, I'm like, eh, I can let this go for, you know, instead of, instead of grabbing it, the Obi-Wan Kenobi figures have been really interesting to me, especially the big droid, um, you know, and, and kudos to Hasbro for going ahead. And even though they, they may not ship until the first quarter next year for going ahead and getting those out there for pre-order and showing everything. And then today releasing the black series pre-order for the big, I can't think of his name, Ned eight or whatever. Yep. Um, but, uh, but yeah, the, kudos to them for doing that because I think that that is where you're going to really scratch a collector's itch. And because of the crappy card, because of the fake weathering mm -hmm. and the big red sticker, to me, it's a no brainer to open them up, get them on display yeah. with, uh, with my other stuff mm -hmm. and, and just, you know, and it all kind of fits in. And that's what I was going to say is I've really enjoyed seeing other people's vintage collection. There've been a couple of guys that I know lately that have gotten their vintage stuff out of storage or what have you, Scott Rifen being one of them and finally getting those things up and running. He's done Gorgeous. a good job of posting stuff on Twitter with his stuff. My friend, John There's Lowe. Toy. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> the old troop transport. Yeah. Um, but so I enjoy looking at other people, even though I have some of the stuff, you know, uh, most of what people are showing I have because it's the vintage, it's the vintage stuff. But, um, but I, I've just enjoyed looking at other people's stuff and seeing the condition it's in and being like, Oh, it, it's like when my friends, you know, we used to go through each other's collections and look at it and like, and you kind of just want to play, you know, right. You want to get, you want to, can mom, can I go next door and play with these guys? And, and, uh, and, and it's just, to me, it's, it's a neat thing to kind of see that kind of stuff. Agreed. You know, there's something cool 
cool on the, I wanted to mention on the Kenobi figures that really struck me is um, this, the Darth Vader that's in there. Um, the fact that, you know, they did, they did a Darth Vader on the first Star Wars retro figures a, a year or two ago. And now they've got this, this new Darth Vader mold for the Kenobi. And it's really cool to me that it, um, it's a new sculpt for Darth Vader. It's not the same one they did. And the first, the first figure had the vinyl cape, like mm -hmm. the original Kenner figures. Now this one has a cloth cape. And what this is, this is like the unfinished business. I know Michael Mercy talks about mm -hmm, this a lot mm -hmm. with, with the new toys that are made retro. It's, it's like if Kenner had gone back in the 80s and had done a second version you know, of Darth Vader that, that we never got. Right. Here's their chance to do that, you know, like a retur second Return of the Jedi, you know, Darth Vader. Kenner never did that, but now right. here we've got this unfinished business here. And that's, I think that's kind of, this is one of the first uh, uh, of the original uh, legacy characters that they've, they've done that uh, with in this line. And so I think it's really cool. I hope they do more of that, that we get more, you know, second versions of the characters. The, the, one of the great things about those retro lines too is because they're five POA um, and a lot of the figures share similar body parts, they, they don't have to do so much tooling. Mm -hmm. So they're able mm -hmm. to redo a, a classic legacy character like the Vader. And, and I'm, I'm the same way, you know, Adam, by the time the power of the force line was coming around and, and the return of the Jedi stuff was coming around, they had gotten away from the vinyl capes and stuff into the cloth goods. And, and so mm -hmm. when the Mandalorian figures were released, it seemed like a step backwards. I know why Hasbro did it. You know, they were trying to evoke yeah. that, that early, early Kenner feel. But in the timeline with Mandalorian coming after Return of the Jedi, it would honestly have made more sense for them to do some cloth good right. stuff. I'm yeah. not mad about it. I'm not saying they right. were wrong for doing it. I'm saying that like now with the, I love that you use Mercy's thing of the unfinished business because when right. I saw that Vader, I thought the exact same thing. Also, Vader doesn't have the tell the lightsaber that comes out yeah. of his hand. This new one holds right. a lightsaber, mm -hmm. right. and that's what they were doing with Bespin mm -hmm. Luke and and Jedi Luke and Indoor mm -hmm. Luke. You know, they they didn't have the the arm sabers anymore. They actually, so I I just I, I'm like you. I think it's a really great thing they've done, yeah. and um and and I'm I'm tempted to pick it up for sure. Well, I was going to say with this this second wave of Mandalorian figures that you skipped, yeah, uh, or but they're still they're still in stores. You can go mm -hmm. get still go get them. Um, they've actually done step two now. the The Mandalorian has a cloth cape. Oh, does this, he? Yeah, because okay. he's the, he's the silver armor, but he's got a cloth cape as well. Right. And I've not, and he's a good figure. I've opened one too. Um, I've not opened the uh, the Dorks. armor yet, but I'm told she's got a um, a fuzzy cloth uh, oh. cowl on. I opened just like, the armor the other day, and she does have that. Yeah, and that's nice. kind of like um, what was it the the Clitunians in uh, the uh, Jabba's mm -hmm. palace that had oh, yeah. the furry with the skirt. Furry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So same kind of deal. So I thought that's really cool. All right, uh, dorksidetoys.com. <laughs> well, hey, while while we while we've uh, hit on toys, I have a feeling we'll come back to toys later because honestly in our text chain for rule of the galaxy i would say over 50 percent of it has something to do with 
Hasbro, the toys, how do we get them? Why do we have to wait two years sometimes to get them? All that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So I have a feeling it will come back up again. I, um, before we jump into Kenobi all the way, uh, I was going to throw this out there. If it stirs things up, if it makes people mad, I apologize in advance, but it really kind of stoked the fire with me on, on this one. And another fire was stoked during Kenobi, but Alfie and I went, <laughs> there we go, stirring it up. <laughs> um, Al Alfie and I went to see the Jurassic, um, Jurassic World Dominion. Uh, my wife is a big Jurassic Park fan. I, just like I'm a Star Wars fan, she loves to go see those movies. And, and I, I think she has a crush on Chris Pratt, but that's another story for another Who doesn't? time. <laughs> um, but um, so we went to see that. And going into it, I was thinking, okay, I've seen the previews where the original characters come back into this movie and they wrap everybody together. All the key figures from the first original run of Jurassic Park and the key figures now from the second batch of Jurassic Park movies. And, you know, we, we just went through this ourselves with the original trilogy characters coming back into the sequels. And, and I will tell you, um, Alfie and I left. And his comment when we left the theater was, wow, now, now that's a way to take, um, what was it? it was, that's a way to take what kind of, I'm sorry, I forget exactly. Legacy. legacy. Yeah, that's the approach yes. to take with legacy and, you know, your replacement characters. 100%. And when he said it, a light bulb just bing right above my head, not because I'm balding and you can see every light reflect off my head, but because it just hit me. There were scenes where all of the key figures, a dinosaur was to their right, they'd all turn together and look up together. And you had that picture. You had that scene where they were all working together. I, at that point in time, I didn't, I wasn't really concerned if one of the, the retro, the legacy characters passed away, got taken out of the show or whatever. But to bring them in and have them work hand in hand like that with the new characters and make it a, a cohesive story like that really hit me and it really got me going and got those juices going again saying my gosh what did we miss out and i know there are sequel people who are gonna say joe i hate your show now because you're bringing this up but <laughs> it is true and alfie hit it right on the nose right when we came out of it are, has anybody else seen the dress the new jurassic movie that just came out no just me no. And alfie okay Careful. But just to hear that they're not going to subvert my expectations oh. and, and hold them back from meeting each other in this movie, it's just, I'm so totally pissed. I don't want to see it now. I don't want to see any movie <laughs> where all three legacy characters are on the screen at the same time. How could they? they Careful. Careful. It's a velociraptor. <laughs> as deadly as the great dragon, though not as large. They sometimes uh, hunt in packs and sound like this. Oh, oh. <laughs> Alfie, <laughs> take that and run with it. You were the brainchild behind it. You had that feeling. I mean, it, it just, it did. It stuck with me once you said it. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry. I'm being distracted here, but um, <laughs> it was silly, you know, and yes, was it necessary? No, but that feeling you got when all, you know, when both sets turn around and look at each other and you get that kind of passing of the torch scene. Hey, I know you, let's compare. This is my legacy. This is your legacy. 
now let's move forward in the story. You know, I'm not going to say that the sequel trilogy was wrong or right, or if you like it, you like it. If you don't, you don't. But I, like you said, there was just that moment of those characters being together, especially just even just the original three characters from the original trilogy. You were waiting for that moment to happen and it never did. And you, and I get it. I listened to the, the, you know, creators of force awakens saying how hard it, you know, how hard it would be to deal with a character like Luke Skywalker and trying to insert him into a new story without it being Luke Skywalker's story. But man, that moment, like I said, even though it was silly and, you know, it was still a lot of fun. I, once we start talking Kenobi, I'm going to take the sequel talk to another level, but we'll oh, wait no. for that in a moment. Um, Anything else anybody wants to hit before we hit Kenobi? Is there any? I, I've got little storylines we could hit on and, and jab about for a little while, but is there anything that stands out to you? Say, hey, let, let's talk about this. Do we want to talk about Wesley Snipes wanting to be in Star Wars? Do we want to talk about Chris Evans wanting to be in Star Wars? Do we want to talk about anybody wanting to be in Star Wars? We can talk about that. Um, Tamara Morrison wants to make Boba Fett a, a, a bad, you know what, again, in Star Wars. Um, we can talk about that. Um, you know, is Taika Waititi the, the right guy to pass the torch to make a new movie that's going to take us outside of the Skywalker saga? I mean, all those topics are out there, or we can just have fun and talk about Kenobi. Any thoughts before we jump in one way or the other? Feel I, I want to I want to touch on something that I saw this past week, uh, a quick video that I saw this past week. And um, and 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 it's kind of in in response to what you were saying about sequel lovers may not like this show anymore they'll hate this and and even something that we, you said at the outset where there seems to be a lot of people who are like this is the best Star Wars I've ever seen and a group of people who don't don't like it and for whatever reason those two groups of people feel like they have to fight with one another rather than just have opinions about art Roger Ebert one of the great movie critics of our day um, I, I saw a clip of him from Siskel and Ebert talking um, to Gene Siskel about the idea of criticism and and criticism of art and he said it has to be the first person in other words this is my opinion mm -hmm. and and i can't ascribe my opinion and expect my opinion to be everyone else's opinion and it's okay if it's not because my job his job he said as a critic is to watch is to is to observe the art art being subjective and then respond to it and and give well thought out criticism of it you know i think that there is a small very very small group of people who are completely anti anything disney star wars and disney lucasfilm and they are going to be predisposed to hate everything that, that disney will put out from from this day going forward but on the on the on the other end i think there is a small group of people who are predisposed to just absolutely except without question everything that disney star wars gives them and it is all supposed to be great and wonderful and and both of those groups live online and both of those groups are incredibly incredibly loud and then it, what you have in the middle uh, is what you see a lot of times when you go to like the star wars celebration and other places you have a group of people who just enjoy star wars they like some of it they dislike other parts of it there are some parts of Star Wars since Disney has taken over that I vehemently despise. And, and I mean, to the point that it, it, it makes me sad. 
It doesn't make me angry. It makes me incredibly sad. Sure. But there are parts of Star Wars since Disney has taken over that I absolutely love. Kenobi, for me, landed somewhere in the middle of all that. I feel like oh, the Obi-Wan Kenobi series suffered from, um, from a lack of... Um, there, there are some directorial choices that I think were poorly made. And, and I think that there were some story elements that were shoehorned in uh, that, that weakened the overall six-part story arc. But when it hit well, it hit extremely, extremely, extremely well. So when it was good, it was really good. The rest of the time, it was mediocre or subpar. That, the same can't be said, in my opinion, I can't say the same for the Book of Boba Fett. I thought the Book of Boba Fett struggled to find its footing except for the two Mandalorian episodes. Mm -hmm. and, and the rest of the time, it was really trying to figure out exactly what it is and what it could be and, 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 and needed Boba Fett to be a little bit more of a BA than he was, to be, you know, to be the thing that we all wanted and, and expected. With, with Obi-Wan Kenobi, there, there's so many places where I was surprised by the emotional response that I had to it. And I was pleased with um, some of the things that went on. And, and I just, I think that, that there's a very measured take one can take with Kenobi. And for me, I just think we need to remember, it's my opinion and it's your opinion. And if our opinions differ, it's art. And art is subjective and it's okay. And, and if we have passionate discussions about it, that's okay too. You know, it doesn't mean we're arguing. It just means we're getting passionate about this thing we all enjoy. So Love I just, it. from the outset, I want to say that because I'm probably going to make some people mad as well, you know, who, who can't understand that, that idea of first person criticism. We've talked about it before on this show in many of our 145 episodes. Usually when we say something in, in a, in our opinion, that is negative, it is because of that passion that we have for this. And I will also say this. There are some people that Star Wars Resistance is their Star Wars. There's some people that, you know, Star Wars, um, I don't know, what are the other cartoons that are on Disney right now for kids? The, the um, Think of all the people that Lego Star Wars is their Star Wars. 100%. 100%. I, and I'm okay with that. And you know what? <clears throat> D-Doc's into those things, and I can sit there and go, man, D-Doc, that's really awesome. It's not for me, but it looks really cool right? It's just how it works. I mean, and I'm okay with that. You're right, Steve. It shouldn't become an argument. It should be a sharing of opinions and a discussion. Mm -hmm. So, um, now listen, I'm right with my opinions. <laughs> I want everyone to understand that, but I'm not wrong. <laughs> um, okay. Um, you, you just gave out some good opening points on the Kenobi series. Um, D doc, uh, let, let's go to you. D-Duck, you are, um, you know, one of the newer co-hosts on our show while we've been doing this for two plus years. You've been with us for the last year and, and it's been great. And your consumption of Star Wars has heavily increased even since you've been a part of the show. What were your overall thoughts? What, you know, what hit you the most with the Kenobi series? Uh pretty much what uh steve was hitting on i mean you know it it had its high and low points but when it really hit it did um, i mean especially what he was saying uh, emotion wise you know there was parts of that finale i mean if we're just going to kind of go into this yeah. and go jump around i mean there was parts of that finale where i found my eyes you know tearing up multiple times where i'm just like damn there's there were some episodes of this show where i'm just like 
eh, like i really don't understand where we're going with this sometimes but like i was like oh my god i was like i can't believe uh you know i'm getting filled up to see kenobi walk off the ship to see leia and you know you just had this connection between these two characters over a short amount of time where it's like yeah those two go together and that's my original ewan mcgregor kenobi from Mm -hmm. the prequel trilogy and now here he is in this new show with this new character that he has this connection to that you know sometimes like it, it it was a little bumpy to start but i think they got where they wanted to get in the end of it you know and that's that's what i would say as a whole about this show is it had its rough points but i mean that i thought that finale was great i really think uh, I, I don't have much to complain about with that finale alfie how about you i thought a lot about this today in you know like i posted on twitter this was a very enjoyable emotional series I think it was very well done by the people who worked on it. I think they have every reason to be proud of the product that was released. I do agree that, you know, it did have some lows. Like we talked last episode, I think there was a lot of moments in this series that felt cut. Like we were going to go somewhere and that part is no longer part of the series. So we kind of had to meld some things together. I also, you know, the Mandalorian kind of spoiled us a little bit on visuals or visually. And I think this series, especially the last episode and even the lightsaber duel, you know, the, the, this episode, the background to me just looked really out of place, you know, very sound stagey not quite on par with you know what we've seen in the Mandalorian but you know I mean it is what it is Uh, I I think you know emotionally this series you know had some some very high moments in Star Wars Mm -hmm. you know especially in the finale you know we're going to focus on that Um, a lot of tie-ins you know to some one-off lines from the original trilogy I think that got tied up in you know in this I'm I think it did a really good job of the best that it could of washing up and staying in canon uh you know I'm gonna you know take it with a grain of salt because like I said it was it was entertaining okay Adam how about you um yeah lots of thoughts um I think for for me, uh, one 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 bit of this reminded me of Boba Fett in that I felt like for me there was a clear delineation between the the episodes that were really good and the episodes that were kind of just mediocre. Um, and for me, it was it was evenly divided in half. Um, the the first three episodes, I was kind of like, I don't love this but I don't hate this. You know, it's it was kind of a mix for me. Unlike the Book of Boba Fett, where I, I love the two Mandalorian episodes, the finale was okay, it was mixed, but the others I was kind of bored with. This, this I was, I was kind of in the middle for those, those first three episodes, but then the last three I really loved. I thought going to the Inquisitor's um, base was a fun exciting adventure with you know tension and suspense and it was what I wanted in Star Wars 
the next episode where we've got the flashbacks with Hayden. That was exactly everything I wanted in an episode from this series. I was kind of like, well, gosh, I wish you had done this in all the, those other episodes, then you would have been right on. And I thought the, mm. the finale was, it was a pretty good, well-rounded, mm. you know, get, gave us the things we've been looking for. Um, I think through my writing and work with Star Wars material, one thing I've become kind of keyed into is observing how, uh, how Lucas, the people, at, the creatives at Lucasfilm spend their money um, the like everything, these these shows, these series, whether it's animated or live action, it's very much on a budget, um, and a big chunk of the budget in all of Dave Filoni's stuff always goes to the last two episodes um, of the the season. Those two episodes are set apart from everything else, and he really puts a lot of money in there, <laughs> and the whole season is spent building up the assets, you know, like the digital models and the characters and background creatures and stuff, building those up so he can maximize those on the last two episodes. Um, and cameos, you know, high profile actors, that costs a lot of money. So that also eats into the budget. And so you can see where, you know, where the last two episodes have to have a lot of money in them. And these, these cameos like Hayden or like, um, Liam Neeson or the Emperor, those, those that costs some money. So when you're putting your money there, the money's got to come out of other places. And one of the places where I felt like it came out of um, were the the 3D, the the visual effects, um, especially in those first few episodes. Um, it it especially the first two, it felt very very digital to me. Um, and I was a little disappointed, uh, to be honest, in that when we first saw that, because hmm. one comment I had made before this, season, this series started was the one thing about Kenobi that's different from the other live action stuff we've seen is this really needed to be cinematic. It needed to feel like something that should have screened in a movie theater. And that was the problem with the first two, maybe first three episodes. I think they did better because more money was in the later episodes, but they they felt a little too digital um, and a little too rushed with the visual effects. And I sort of tried to, to console myself, convince myself a little bit on, when I saw it on the first episode thinking, okay, well, this, it does kind of look like the prequels, at least, because the prequels were very digital, mm -hmm. especially that opening scene where we flash back to, you know, the, the Jedi um, palace with the fight there. Okay, yeah, it looks very digital, but that's how the prequels look. So maybe that's what they're going for. I'll just have to, you know, get used to it. But I, I think it was also a lot of a budget issue. But Again, overall, because of those last three, it, it gave me what I wanted. So I'm, you know, I'm, I'm definitely a thumbs up, um, you know, and yeah. I'd like to go back now and see those <laughs> first three episodes. And now that I know what's in the end, you know, rewatch those and see how I feel. Because I think my feelings might, might change. I might like them a little bit more than I did on first viewing. S certain choices will make sense. Um, certainly the later episodes for me, um, 
it made Reva's character uh, make a lot more sense to me. But I'll wait to go into that because I think Reva's a whole nother discussion. Yeah. yeah, I think I think we'll go. We'll definitely hit a Reva discussion here, here in a minute. One thing I will throw out um, for our listeners and some other guests, um, I did put out a request for their reviews or their comments or their thoughts on the series. And I will tell you, um, we were going to try to merge those into the show tonight. Um, but we got such good response that I think D doc and I are going to, uh, do a sideshow just with the feedback that we got from people. So quick shout out to Miriam Skywalker, uh, Damon one Kenobi, uh, the Dave M Jones, uh, Jessica, the Duchess of dark saber light, uh, Tom line, Stephen Kent, uh jack harvey indy car driver mark newbold of uh fanta tracks and willie harms uh great listener uh all you thank you so much for the content you provided us uh d doc and i will will be getting that out real soon we wanted to put it in this but when we have power guests like these two right here you, you just can't you just can't get away from these two guys you got to give them the floor and let them run with it um <laughs> I, I will say this i'm also two thumbs up on the series um I try to really go into it and not look for the negatives, but really concentrate on the things that hit me. And um, so, you know, I was very leery, very, I guess, weary of the idea of Vader and, and Obi-Wan battling once, if not twice, which they did. Um, it, it didn't change. It didn't hurt anything for me the way I thought it would. I thought I would leave going, oh gosh, why did you why did you throw that in there? But it did okay. And I think I think one of the main reasons w- was um that they allowed them to have a conversation, especially in the second one, that really hit home. And and it it, it I think it added more texture and depth to that next battle, leaving it with him saying goodbye, Darth, my friend is dead. And Anakin saying, or Darth Vader saying, I killed Anakin Skywalker. Those things alone made it to where I could go, I can live with this because it now makes sense, or it still makes that continuity work for me on there. Uh, the other one that hit me just, I know it was a silly one line, and there's other things that hit, but when <laughs> when Obi-Wan said, I will do what I must, just like he did at the end of Revenge of the Sith, man, right there, I was like, oh, Yes. That felt good when that came, you know, it just that that pose and him saying it that way. Um, and I I felt like in this series, they took a broken, depressed, despondent individual who had basically given up on the force and thought his only job was to cut up meat and go check on a little boy every now and then to bringing back. Well, Mark Newbold said it in the show I did with him. The force was reawakened in Kenobi in in this series where it was gone. He became Obi-Wan Kenobi again by the end of the series. So I know all of us hit on some different points there. Hands raised. Let's go. Hit another one. Alfie, let's go. Rock and roll with any of this stuff we all hit on. Yeah, the conversation between uh, Darth Vader and Obi-Wan I felt was just as good as the fight between them. And, you know, it hit me because I will admit I'm pretty harsh on Obi-Wan and Yoda in the original trilogy, as far as the way that they handle Luke and the information they give him. But Anakin said it himself that Darth Vader 
killed Anakin Skywalker. So it's not so much of a stretch in A New Hope now for Obi-Wan to say a, you know, Jedi betrayed and murdered your father. Yep. And also you brought up the, the uh, cutting, the, you know, the, his job he had cutting up the whale carcass there. Do you think he lost that job? <laughs> I think he did. He didn't have the time <laughs> off probably in his, in his, uh, HR. He and, you know, he, he's been living in a cave for a while. You know, I thought, do you think they taught like budgeting at the Jedi temple? Because he's probably going to get a rude awakening here once he gets <laughs> his own actual place on, you know, the responsibilities he's going to have. I think Bell Organa's taking care of that for him. Mm-hmm. Um, I really, I really think that's what's going on there. I, you know, a lot's been said and, and I, Adam, I'll be honest with you. I, I think I disagree with you a little bit on the look and feel of those early episodes. I, I really was impressed. What happened is I think it's really jarring coming into that opening scene with the Padawans and, and the Order 66. They, they do something, and this is one of the things that new Star Wars makers are doing that aren't necessarily, you know, isn't necessarily Lucas-style filmmaking, is they go to a handheld camera. And, and that causes it to look a lot different than anything. George Lucas didn't move the camera much. There was motion on screen, but the camera moved very little. And, uh, and so we got big, epic, sweeping shots a lot of times. The other thing, I think, more than anything in those, those, first, through, those first few episodes that caused a big disconnect with me was the look and feel of the Inquisitors. Um, I, I still say the Grand Inquisitor is, you know, looks horrible. I think I, 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 there's no excuse for that with the makeup department and, and the stuff that they have at Lucasfilm and Disney. Um, and, and I think that they look like poor cosplayers more than anything or, or, or really good. Co- like if you saw these costumes at a celebration, like, oh, I want to take my picture with this dude, you know, but on, right. on screen, they shouldn't be. There was also a lack of, of, of legacy aliens on Tatooine. We didn't see any Rodians. We didn't see any Ithorians. We didn't mm-hmm. see any even Clatoonians or anything like that, which we which we know are all are, you know, are are rife on 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 Tatooine. And and we should have seen those things and we didn't. And Rife uh, is and, on Tatooine. Right, right. And so um and, and I'm just kind of getting out a few things here as far as as far as the story aspects of it go. And, and I, I absolutely agree. The final confrontation slash conversation with Obi-Wan and Vader was great. I love the character arc of Obi-Wan going from that despondent, depressed, defeated individual with no hope into a place of hope. I, I, I absolutely dig that. Um, but if... If he is go- this the the, con- the confrontations they have, I think should have happened earlier than ten years after uh, Revenge of the Sith. I think it, it should have been five years. And as much as I loved, 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 loved the little girl who played Princess Leia, mm-hmm. I don't think you needed to pull her or even Luke into this. In fact, with the threat of the Inquisitors showing up on Tatooine, all Obi Wan had to do was leave Tatooine, fleeing from those like let it be a chase series so that he's getting away from them to protect Luke, to keep Luke from being discovered. And then <clears throat> Vader comes in as the closer to show up and kind of do, and he discovers the path and he discovers all these different things. And, and I think that, um, that 
that I, that it'd be a lot easier for some fans to swallow. I know for me, it would have been easier to swallow five years after rather than 10 years after. But again, there are little things that were done in the original movie that give you an idea of some things that, that play right into this. A lot of people had problems with Leia knowing Ben Kenobi. But when you come to the Death Star scene and Luke says, I'm Luke Skywalker, I'm here to rescue. She says, you're who? And he says, I'm here with Ben Kenobi. I've, I've come to rescue. I've got, I'm here. With, and she says, Ben Kenobi, where? And he says, come on. And it's Ben Kenobi that causes her to trust Luke and go on mm -hmm. with him. So I don't have a problem they met. I, I don't have a problem they had a, a quick little, you know, friendship and a budding friendship. Um, again, I love the little girl that played Princess Leia. I thought she was outstanding. It is confusing to me that he beat the snot out of Vader a second time and left him for dead a second time rather than finishing the job. Um, <clears throat> that is, you know, the, why mm -hmm. are there still dark times, Obi-Wan? Because I didn't kill Vader, you know, because <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't take him twice. Out. Yeah, twice. <laughs> I had a chance twice and didn't do it, you know. Um, but I did like the fact that Anakin told him, you know, I killed Anakin Skywalker. You know, Anakin's dead. The only thing I wish, and this is just for me personally, that would have happened in that conversation is when Obi-Wan called him Anakin, that he would have said that name no longer has any meaning mm. for me, you know, and been like a callback to Return of the Jedi. Mm. Other than that, I thought it was great. When it comes to the character of Reva, I don't understand. I'm going to get my revenge on Darth Vader by helping him kill Jedi. To me, that is absolutely, you know, I understand, I understand PTSD. I understand issues. I understand the, an obsession with finding Kenobi, but man, her, the minute you find out she's that little Padawan and, and twice, and, and then again, twice Darth Vader slash Anakin couldn't finish the job of first time killing a child, which he killed tons of them that day. And, and then later on killing her and just to me, it's sloppy, it's convenient writing, and, and it wasn't and it wasn't very thought through. But having said all that, the first time we see Vader show up, not with not when he's getting put together, but when he walks onto screen in that one episode where he beats Kenobi and throws him in the fire and everything. I absolutely love the portrayal of Vader as a horrific figure, scary as all get out walks by and just break casually break someone's neck with the force <laughs> he to me that vader is the vader that we need to see to mm -hmm. so that when he comes walking onto the bridge of the tantive four the whiny what people would say the whiny you know bratty anakin skywalker is definitively gone mm -hmm. and and we recognize that this is a terror who walks onto the bridge or walks into the hallway of that ship so that when Leia looks at him and says, Darth Vader, only you would be so bold. We absolutely have respect for her standing up to him that way. Mm. So, yep. you know, to me, I, th that's what I, I just, there was a lot I loved about the portrayal of Darth Vader in this show. And, and, and he should be that, that, mm -hmm. that, that horror movie type guy, that Jason, that Michael Myers, yeah. That's just unstoppable, just walking, you know, I don't understand how he could stop the one ship as soon as he walks in the room, but the millennium Falcon gets away and the empire strikes back, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> Who cares about that? Just saying it was, it was a cool decoy moment. You got it. Who wants to jump in? I'll jump in. Oh, go ahead, Adam. Yeah. Yeah. I was just going to add, you know, 
the, I, I too love how they've, they've um, made Vader, you know, a scary villain again. Um, and they built on what was done in, in Rogue One as well. Um, but just that he's scary through and through, I think they handled him very well after 20 something, 20, 30 years of breakdancing Darth Vader's at Disney World and, you know, Darth Vader's <laughs> with Mickey Mouse hats and all, all that, all those terrible things that, that Disney did to them even, even before Disney owned the franchise. Yes. Um, that we've restored him to what he needs to be. I, I think that's, that's clearly Dave Filoni um, and a little bit of John Favreau uh, mentoring uh, people like Deborah Chow to, to keep keep this on track. So I think that was great. Go ahead, D Doc. Yeah, uh, I I actually wanted to like compound a little bit off of what Adam was saying with the special effects for the show. Like, I, I have one statement and one question for you guys. So, not, one is it's like. I've been watching a lot of shows right now. So number one, Stranger Things 4. I'm watching Peaky Blinders right now. I'm watching a lot of shows. And they don't have the Star Wars IP on them. And that's what that's kind of what bothers me is it's like, I don't know. I'm a big like visuals guy. I love to see settings. And it's like, while the volume is cool, how you can film in there, it's like, I think back to The Mandalorian, one of the best episodes ever, in my opinion, of The Mandalorian was when Boba Fett showed up. What happened in that episode? They actually filmed it outside in a real life terrain. Like that's that's kind of the thing that bothers me about it. It's like it's convenient to shoot in this volume. And yeah, you can put these projections up and it looks like you're outside. But it's like to me, I, I thought one of the most striking things was when Reva was breaking into that door. And you had all the stormtroopers standing there and you had Reva there in um, the fifth episode. I'm just like, this, you can just tell they're standing on a TV show set right now. Like it has no realistic visuals at all. Like we can't go into a real desert or anything and film a single scene. I, I question whether any of this Kenobi series was actually filmed outside at any point. And to me, I think that makes a difference. I mean, I think that's yeah. one of the best parts of Lord of the Rings is, you know, yeah. It, uh, mm -hmm. And I get it. It costs more to get your crew out into the open air and set up your studio out there and stuff. But that's that. If if you could ask me, what's your biggest? If, if you had one problem to point out for the Kenobi series, what would it be? I would just say it just felt so much like a TV show sometimes. And that, and, and I will say that. And yeah. I think I think. And here's the thing: a lot of people are pushing back on that. That's a criticism I've seen from a lot of people. And, and then there are a lot of people pushing back on that as though that's a bad thing, um, a bad criticism. But, but you're absolutely right. Star Wars should always feel cinematic. You consider, mm -hmm. consider the Clone Wars, and, and I'll take you back to even the early seasons of Clone Wars. Mm -hmm. I remember I was watching like season one or something when it was on, or, or maybe, it was, maybe it was a little bit later on season two. And I was just like, yeah, man, I wish the, I wish the animation was better. Like I was kind of critical in my mind of the animation. And then I saw another, and I couldn't tell you what show it was, but I saw another contemporary show, a show that was airing at the same time. It wasn't an older show. It was being produced in the same time as the Clone Wars was. And it was 3D animation, like, like the Clone Wars is kind of, and it looked so inferior to yeah. everything they were doing with Clone Wars. And, you know, Star Wars has always pushed the medium of storytelling and filmmaking and even television making and while the Mandalorian did that, I, it really does feel like the Mandalorian 
is is has been the most cinematic thing they've done particularly in that first yeah. season mm -hmm. um but you're right obi-wan's cave set is a step above the sid and marty croft land of the lost cave set i mean it yeah. really is yeah. and and i don't uh, that's that's the hard that's as harsh as um, i'm gonna get with things that's as hard sex, as i'm gonna yeah. be with it but right. uh I, yeah. I joke i keyed but um <laughs> but it, it it is it's just to me it's an interesting kind of uh kind of concept of of again i say it's a directorial vision i think that there was a lot that was settled on because well it's a tv show rather than hey this is star wars and, right. and we need to make it Star Wars. And honestly, for five episodes of this show, I was critical, uh, though I understood, uh, I forget what the composer's name is who did, I know John Williams did an original Obi-Wan thing, but then the, the, the lady who did the rest of the composition, she did a great job of making Star Wars sounding music. Yep. But I feel like she missed opportunities to bring in John Williams cues at appropriate times and it was almost, mm -hmm. I almost read that as an arrogance on the part of that composer to refuse to do that um, because she was trying to prove herself alongside John Williams. And I'm not saying that that's what she was doing. I'm saying that as a viewer, that's how that felt to me. Yeah. In the same way, it felt like, oh, this is good enough. This is good enough. And Star Wars, when Lucas was in control, it was never, he never settled for just good enough. He pushed every me, every bit of technology at his disposal. And I don't think that, especially with a company like Disney, mm -hmm. whose money is made on the idea of imagination and imagineering should never settle. When you've got a robot at, at downtown Disney or at the, at the Marvel universe or university or whatever they call it, the Marvel campus, when you've got a robot that swings through the air, like a human being would, if they were actually, if Spider-Man were actually real, you can make television shows that do not feel like television shows. I'm yeah. sorry, you can. And, 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 and if you, and if regardless of gender or, or, or race or creed or whatever, if, if you have a director that cannot do that and settles for good enough on shots, you need to find different directors to do star Wars. Yeah. I'm sorry. I got really passionate there. No, it's right. no, fine. Passion's yeah. good. We I talked about it. I think that uh, Stranger Things is a really good comparison since that, that dropped the same day that uh, Kenobi did. Um, and I was thinking about that a lot as I watched Kenobi. Um, you, look at, you look at that this first half of um, season four of Stranger Things or any, any season of Stranger Things, the production quality is just rock solid. There is no questioning, you know, the way it looks or the way it sounds, the way it's filmed, the way it's acted out. It's, it's rock, you know, four seasons of rock solid. Um, and this season looks really good. Um, and that's Star Wars should, all of it should be yeah. on that par. Um, and also with the music, I mean, music <laughs> is integral with Stranger Things. Um, I listen to the soundtracks all the time at home and in my car. I, I love it. You know, I, I'm studying it. I'm listening to <laughs> to um, interviews with uh, the two guys who, by the way, I didn't realize it's um, it's uh, Kyle Dixon and uh, I forget the other guy's name. They're actually they have a um, electronic band called um, Survive and they do electronic music, um, the, you know, synthesizer stuff. And it is. 
it is really good. I I almost like their their albums that they do you know off screen better than I mean if if you love Stranger Things you'll love their their off screen albums even more because they've got even more the songs have even more personality but it's the same style. But anyway, um, like what you were guys were saying, you know, the music's just it's just not memorable for uh, Kenobi, and there you know there really should be more punch to it. You know, the, the Mandalorian was great. I mean, it, highly memorable. But then, you know, the Kenobi's kind of like the way Book of Boba Fett was. It's because it, it's not by Jorgensen. It's, you know, mm-hmm. I, I don't even remember who did um, the Book of Boba Fett, the music. And that's that's to the point. You, I don't know who did it because the music wasn't particularly memorable. And neither was this I- Kenobi stuff. Even, I mean, John Williams did the theme. And, you know, maybe I'm wrong but it wasn't, I didn't find it to be a very exciting theme either. Just like, I don't think his theme for Galaxy's Edge uh, is great either, you know, and that may be my fault because I'm sure there's a lot of meaning and and just as much meaning, even more meaning and thought than his other stuff because he's older, he's wiser, he's more experienced when he's writing this music, but it's not, uh, not very evocative what, what he's, uh, what we're getting out of you know the great john williams here but you know it's but back to the point star wars should be at the stranger things level um it should be at the game of thrones level you know they were they did hire those game of thrones guys who later dropped out for whatever reasons behind the scenes um but star wars you know this is disney this is lucasfilm who who they were the ones that set set the bar for decades you know, and I, I hate to be negative because like, you know, a, a thumbs up for the, the series overall. I really enjoyed the second half. But, you know, that's you, you guys are offering very no, legit no. criticism there. That's 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 what we're here to do is talk about it and, and work our way through it. A couple key points that I wanted to hit on Joey and I think Alfie both shared this. Uh, I think so. Anyway, they, they shared tweets with me that said in Rebels. Ahsoka basically took off half of Darth Vader's helmet in Kenobi. Kenobi took off the other half, but the only person that could take off the full helmet was Luke Skywalker, Mm. his son. And I thought that was so well, I mean, we always talk about poetry and, and mirror images and things like that in Star Wars. And that to me hit really well because while so many people want us to focus on the Luke Skywalker of The Last Jedi, which I never focus on that Luke Skywalker, um, <laughs> I focus on the Luke Skywalker who did that because there wasn't another person in the universe who was going to do that. You had his, his Padawan who he loved. You had his mentor who was as close to a brother as anything that he had, who basically tore away half of him each. But the only one that could get to his core was his son. And I thought that was so well put together. To add to it, just a side note, Alfie and I were joking around about it. Gosh, wouldn't it be great to have a three-pack black series of all three of those characters, okay. one slash here, one slash here, one with the helmet yeah. off. That would sell. We'd be making more money than we knew what to do with if that was selling right now. Um, the other key point that, because I don't really have a lot of other key points after this. You guys have hit on some great things. But the thing that stood out to me watching this series and seeing the love and the passion of Owen, of Baru, of, of uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi 
for these people that they were responsible for, correct? Bale and uh, Bria, I believe, is that uh, how you say her name? Uh, um, seeing the love and passion that that group of people had, they're battling the empire. They're bringing these two children up who are someday, the two of them, when you bring them together, are going to take down that empire, right? Leia with her leadership and her poise and her strength. For a little while. Well, that's where I'm going with this. Where I will say, I'm a, I, I like the sequels. I don't dislike the sequels. I like the sequels. I want to love the sequels, though. I want to love them. And I really think, not going into anything about the characters that were in it at all, not going into the, the train wreck of not bringing that Jurassic Park six-pack together that we talked about earlier, the thing that gets me the most, and maybe I'm way off, but you want to end that Return of the Jedi with those two key characters that all of this is built up to. I don't care. From the prequels all the way to the end of Jedi, it's built up about Luke and Leia, right? Coming from Anakin and being this, this hope that turns everything around. To turn them back around and have them face another empire, which basically means their job was worthless way back when, I think is where the weakness of the sequels were. It should have been a Yuzong Bong another mystery alien species or whatever. Do the same thing you're doing with the sequels, but instead of making it the first order, which is the Empire Part 2.0 or whatever, make it to where they've actually won. They've defeated the evil empire and something comes that they had no control over, comes in and is the battle. And I'm fine with the legacy characters dying off in the movies against battling this unknown thing that happened my thing about the sequels is that I think you, you ruin the story of Luke and Leia and the things that they were brought up and protected to do and came into this role by making it to where, oh, well, they did all this work. They won. The good guys win. Oh, the next Empire is here. We're taking you right back down. I think that's the thing that got me watching this series. Believe it or not, it was watching this and seeing the passion and the bail talks to Leia and the passion that Owen had for Luke that, that we never thought he had that made me think, man, Luke's the only one that could save Darth Vader, Anakin Skywalker, and yet the Empire Part Two comes around, he ditches. <laughs> That's what gets me on that. So this series actually brought up the sequels in my mind because of that. And maybe I'm way off base. But that's where I had to go rant. That's an that's an interesting place to go with that. I yeah. I do think that the the series went a long way to show us uh, uh, the the fullness of Owen, especially yeah. Owen mm -hmm. and Baru. Um, you know, because what we had of Owen was from the original trilogy, just this gruff old man. Now, when you consider that he and Baru died because they would not give the information as to where Luke went with it. So you realize that they did die for Luke mm -hmm. um, in that moment. Yeah. Uh, it's not, it's not spelled out. Like they want to spell everything out, you know, beat for beat nowadays with star Wars stuff, but it doesn't, it doesn't take much thought to connect those dots. There is a, um, it, it's in the expanded universe uh, of the old comics or something when, where it actually shows Owen when the stormtroopers come to confront them. And I forget what it was, but basically Owen spits in a stormtrooper's face <laughs> when this, when and won't give it. And, you know, so he, Owen has always been someone to respect for what they, you know, the fact they took in Luke the way that they did. 
um and 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 the way that they fought to protect him in that last episode i thought was wonderful and i thought yeah. the strength of baru and 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 you know encouraging owen to we've got to do this we have to protect him and you know was just outstanding and so when obi-wan comes and says listen go back and watch that last that last scene if you can stomach it and you know with emotionally when he says you want to meet him he sounds mm -hmm. like the original guy who played uncle owen i can't feel whatever his name was phil eckerston or but he sounds like him you know he he sounded like owen lars hey you want to meet him you know and yeah. and it was so 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 great and of course everyone's like everyone was you know all geeking out about the hello there but to me it was it was the you want to meet him you know like and so you know that this kid luke as he grows he's gonna go out and and because he had a relationship with ben kenobi you know and he old ben he knows old ben and and owen doesn't like it but owen lets it happen anyway you know and and I know the connection of the toy is pretty cool, you know, and Luke still has it in episode four, you know, nine or 10 years later. That's great. But I just, the, the coming to grips with one another and, mm -hmm. and Obi-Wan saying, you're right. He just needs to be a boy, you know, because that's another thing that people have always kind of compared Luke's journey to Leia's is like, well, Luke didn't have everything, you know, Leia's in the thick of it most of her life. And she is because of her, who her parents are, but Luke got to just grow up. Mm -hmm. you know and 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 so it makes so luke coming from that life of comfort and just normalcy and stepping into the role of the hero that he does flying the trench of that death star is a huge huge step for him yep. because he thinks it's all fun and adventure and then you know as all these x-wings blow up around him as he, as he watches his old mentor die it's no longer, you know, he, the boy becomes a man and, you know, and then, and then of, of course the story progresses right on through Jedi return of the Jedi. And, um, but yeah, I, I thought that that moment, not the hello there, but the Owen and Ben stuff, it was just wonderful there at the end. I, I, I to see those two kind of come to terms with one another when it starts with, you know, the sick burn of like, Oh, like you mm -hmm. did his father, you know, like yeah. you trained his dad. Um, you know, from, from that type of bitterness and anger, and you just stay away from this kid to you want to meet him is just huge. It's huge. And, uh, and, and so that, yeah. So like I say, when it was, when it was good, it's outstandingly good. Mm -hmm. Um, but then there are these other weak moments to me that just make it end up, end up making the, it, they taint the series as a whole. And I should say, Alfie, I feel like I've kept you muffled here today. Sorry, Alfie. No, no, no. no. I'm, I, I'm, I've just, yeah, I'm oh, just man. like you, man. I'm listening to this stuff. I love it. <laughs> yeah, the him meeting that that was very emotional. You know, uh, I we talked, you know, many episodes before about this series that I thought you were going to see a different side of Owen Lars. You know, in you know his desire for Luke to be just a normal kid. Um, you know. There were just a lot of emotional parts in this series, and they were the highest moments for me, more than, you know, the flashy lightsaber fights and things like that. I've, one thing that I, I'm still not kind of understanding, though, is if you go back to Empire thinking, Ben, watching the X-Wing fly away, saying that boy is our last hope. Mm. Um, 
I understand, you know, that was a long time ago and, mm-hmm. but uh, I don't know that, that one's not still not kind of jiving with me here. If he knows about Leia so right. much. Well, Alfie, you make a great point because the thing I think some people forget and, and this is, and, and I don't want to speak for newer fans, but I, it seems like fans who haven't been around for as long as, you know, those that grew up with the prequels and those of us that grew up then with the original trilogy, um, for whatever reason, they, they forget that the original trilogy is, is, is the, the standard. And everything, honestly, if you're going to do canonical stuff, if you're going to do canon, it needs to fit within the confines of the original trilogy and things that are said there. So what is Obi-Wan's thought process about Luke being the only hope versus Leia? Him saying that doesn't mean that he's not aware of Leia's identity or who she is, but obviously he thinks that she is un- a woman so she can't right yes he's a, oh, oh, exactly right. he's, a, he's a misogynist <laughs> hold on let me rewind let's delete that he's a misogynist <laughs> sexist individual and he, he's so his misogyny overrules him even in death no i think what he sees is is leia in the position she's in she's unable to disappear and go train as a jedi she's unable yeah. to do these things because she's so much in the the forefront of everything she's already leading this thing and so the i think the plan was because luke was raised in secrecy and and luke is more the blank slate than what leia was this is the kid who can do it and this is the kid who will get through to his father um yeah i i, I think that um I, I i'm okay with that but i can totally see alfie where that becomes a sticking point for some things um, do you ever wonder what a shock it was for Vader on the Death Star for all on the same day? His <laughs> former master, his daughter, his son, the droid he made, and then the droid that flew with him in the Clone Wars <laughs> right. all showed up on the right. Death Star on the right. same exact day. Well, to be fair, he didn't see 3PO and R2. Um, and and he no, that's true. And he didn't know that those two were his kids. Well, let's say in hindsight then. In hindsight, yeah, he's sitting yeah. there thinking, what the? Um, <laughs> you mean they were all in the same day. place? Wow! You know, there's a great. Um, again, I go back to the old expanded universe stuff, and it may have been in a trading card set, but I think it was actually in a comic book, one of the like a like a standalone quick story in like Star Wars Tales or something. Um, that in Empire, when when three uh, PO gets blowed up real good, yeah, um, they bring <laughs> him to Vader, and and the comic basically shows Vader almost like alas poor Horatio you know like a very Hamlet thing holding the head Mm -hmm. of 3PO and remembering finding the parts and building him and and just throwing the head back in the box and saying give him back to the Wookiee you know like he he makes the choice to spare 3PO because either he knows that it's C-3PO his droid or he just has a soft spot in his play in his heart for droids that are you know in bits and pieces and I think it's just a you know, you see that that was the other thing that in the 90s, after, especially with the prequels, when the prequels came around the 90s and early 2000s, uh, a lot of writers in the comics and stuff, when they would do those type things, really tried to humanize Vader. One of the coolest comics was a Star Wars Tales where, which is basically an Elseworlds kind of Star Wars stories, almost like the Visionaries was, where Vader and Darth Maul fight because Maul is resurrected by some dark side acolytes on what appears to be a Mustafar type planet. 
and this is before we knew about Mustafar because this happened, this comic came out, I think, between episodes one and two. And, um, and Maul, the whole time, it, it's totally not the way Darth Maul was portrayed in the movie because Maul, the whole time, is talking smack to Vader as they're fighting, you know, back and forth. And Maul is talking about how Vader doesn't have enough anger. He doesn't have enough hatred. He doesn't have any of the things. He can't cause the fear that, that Maul can fear. And Maul is just calling him basically a false Sith and a pretender and all this. And finally, Maul gets Vader down. And Vader is on his knees with his back to Darth Maul. And Maul is getting ready to strike the final blow. And he asks the question, what can you possibly hate enough to destroy me? And then you see Maul's face shift into like a, oh my gosh, I've been, I've been had. And, and the panel pulls back and Vader has reversed through himself, basically stabbed Maul through with his, by igniting his lightsaber through almost the way that um, Kylo Ren would do Snoke. And Vader says myself. So the answer to what could you possibly hate enough to defeat me is well myself. Mm. So they, they went a long way to try to humanize Vader more than all the breakdancing stuff and everything, but they tried to do it with like character defining stuff. So that the conflict that Luke senses was always apparently there. In contrast, what they've done here in Kenobi and what they eventually did in Rebels, uh, even is they show a Vader who's absolutely okay with being who he is. He is he's he's made his choice. He's completely consumed with the dark side, and so it's not until Luke shows up that he feels any conflict. He hates Obi Wan Kenobi, and that hate drives him further and deeper into the dark side. He is angry that that everything went the way it went for him and 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 that anger and has led to hate and that hate has led to not only his suffering but him causing the suffering of others and he's absolutely okay with that and then he's told it's your son it is the son of skywalker who blew up the death star he's our enemy and now vader realizes okay there's something to live for there's something and i and if i can get him we can rule the galaxy as father and son overthrow the emperor who i hate and uh yeah rule the galaxy and um and 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 the conflict doesn't come into play i don't think until he meets luke on that gantry in bespin when luke finally says i'd rather die than join the dark side and throws himself off of the gantry and that's when the conflict i think for vader really begins go ahead alfie to expand on that a little bit you know as a young kid watching empire I never, the first few times, I, I thought Vader was lying. Mm -hmm. It was all a, a trick until I you know, was old enough to pick up on when the, the Falcon hits hyperspace. Mm -hmm. And Vader watches it. He turns around, stops, turns around and looks. And to me, that was the moment as a kid that I was like, that's Anakin Skywalker back in there. Yeah, and he doesn't kill anybody. Yeah. Yeah. He he's been choking people out the whole movie. What go back and, and, it, it, when and you he watch sees that, it's like he sees that last, you know, that's his hope getting away on the Falcon. When you watch that scene, watch him, he strides off the bridge and and everyone's kind of looking at him because at this point, anytime mm -hmm. that ship has gotten away, he's killed somebody. Um, and when but when he walks by, there's a dude sitting there with like a data pad, like doing something on it, and and as Vader walks by, a dude goes just over his shoulder like you know and i feel like at that point as soon as vader's out of earshot they go everyone just take five just take five and breathe really quickly we're okay we'll Smoke be okay you got you know? yeah take a break everyone <laughs> but you're right in that moment it, it's very much that that's what i'm saying is the conflict within him has begun to to swell up and um 
and 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 of course it all comes to fruition on that second death star but anyhow back to the kenobi but but at this but the vader we meet in kenobi has none of that and and kenobi only fuels his hate further i just don't understand why kenobi left him there again a second time and and why do they always walk past the people that they've just assumed are dead ships with and they just leave them intact for them to fly away Every time. Hey, um, was that enough Qui Gon for everybody? Did yes. that did that did that wet your whistle just enough to have Qui Gon in for that last little bit? Yeah. Okay, it, I got it, a yes from D Doc, a yes from Alfie. Go ahead, Adam. It, it was a better job than we got in the sequel trilogy of only hearing Hayden's voice, uh, which which wasn't enough at all. At least we did get to see Qui Gon. I would have liked, I would have liked a lot. It didn't have to be multiple scenes, but a longer scene would have been nice. I just I wanted a little more than what we got. I felt like maybe they could, maybe they filmed more, but they decided to cut it or something. It just seems like a, a lot of money and a lot of effort just to have him say a couple of lines. Do you I think? That, go ahead. Did, did anyone? Uh, did anyone think that his like wig or costume looked a bit odd? Am I, is that just me by any chance? You look at stuff too much. It's listen. <laughs> I'm a he looked a little guy. off. Like they tried to, you know, make him look like he did when he died. Yeah, that's why I'm like I don't know. I, I absolutely, I, would... I absolutely think it's the opposite. I think it's their refusal to de-age anybody when they're supposed to look younger, <laughs> a la Anakin and Obi Wan in the flashback scene. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I was extremely hyped to see him. I love yeah. Qui Gon, and to see Liam Neeson back in Star Wars. I mean, hey, I, this is the funny thing about Star Wars, and I think this is also the problem with the internet is it's easy to critique things and it's fun yep. to critique things i think it's right. fun you know you you sit there and you say yeah what how about that whatever you might say i might say that i dislike something tonight that i might like two years from now but i i'm i don't know i'm losing my train of thought as i'm talking about this i've not i've wanted nothing more than to see qui-gon yep. so don't mm-hmm. get me wrong right but this is like the blurb that like you know someone would be like oh you're hating on it i'm not hating on it no i'm just saying you know small little details that i see where i'm just like "Ah, i envisioned something differently and that's my head canon which if brent was here and sorry brent he showed up (laughs) i know you're i know you're going to probably listen to this and brent wanted qui-gon not to show up so everybody would just be freaking out and you know file cabinets on fire like in spongebob but that did not happen so yeah i enjoyed it i wonder if it, it what to, I'm looking at it right now, and honestly, I think he looks pretty good. If I'm being real, um, the the hair's a little flat, you know. But other than that, like if I want to be really nitpicky, I think he looks really good. Almost like I'm questioning: Did they use a deleted stuff from, from episode <laughs> one or something? Um, he, but I, I love the exchange there. I love the exchange mm-hmm. of like I've been waiting for you, Obi Wan. Yeah. You know, you just weren't ready to see me yet, and. Mm-hmm um and and now he's going to go learn from his master to do this now i don't know maybe you guys know this better than i do adam this is something you may especially know there's the deleted scene that was never really put together for episode three that i hate is not in there where yoda talks to Mm qui-gon um and and it's just before like they decide to split up and take the kids and everything um 
what was Liam Neeson actually going to appear? Or was it just going to be his voice in that? Do you know? I think it was just going to be his voice. Okay. That's what I thought. And I was always, according to George Lucas, I was always kind of thought that, that Qui-Gon couldn't fully manifest himself. Mm -hmm. He never got there. Um, but, but he could communicate from beyond the force. Mm -hmm. He was able to retain some consciousness. Um, and that's why Obi-Wan's able to do it. And Yoda's able to do it. You know, of course we mm -hmm. saw in that awesome Clone Wars episode, how Yoda goes and kind of learns right. uh, along and along how to do that. Um, but it, it is, but I, I do like the fact that now Obi-Wan has eight to 10 years of time yeah. to commune with Qui-Gon and figure out, yep. okay, this is when the time comes. This is how I, I go into the force and, and retain my consciousness in the force. Um, and Agreed. he does become more powerful than you could possibly imagine, you know, that kind mm. of thing. So um, a couple, few more things off the list here. Um, one, I'm going to give credit to Scott Riefen, who he would have been on this show, but we put him on another show a couple of weeks ago, and it was a good show with Stephen Kent. Um, I'm surprised he didn't just show up tonight and, and just surprise <laughs> us all, but... Scott Reifen put out on, on Twitter about how now Luke, Leia, and Anakin have all said, will I ever see you again? Mm -hmm. and, and, and I had to think about the Luke one. The Luke one was with Ahsoka, right? When he saw Ahsoka? Yeah. The, yeah. So, yeah. But, but the Leia one was so mm -hmm. close and almost just right in line with the Anakin one from phantom menace mm. i thought that yeah. was really cool i i half expected everyone to say what does your heart tell you oh <laughs> gosh um so that was that was very interesting and rifen thank yeah. you my friend that was a good point uh two where do we think reva's going now because let's face it she was trying to go all like we said duplicitous evil trying to wreak havoc and go get Darth Vader. But then here's Obi-Wan Kenobi, who's like, gosh, you kind of know that he, he's got kids now and I'm protecting them and I'll, I'm just going to let you go. And then number three, and, and these are all topics you guys can hit on, wasn't it nice, the little touch of Leia? Yep. To, that's a 2015 comic right there. Mm -hmm. uh, Leia was sporting that outfit during the last episode with the holster, the boots, and everything Same like that. Same with Kenobi. Yeah. He had the comic outfit on. Yes, the yeah. comic outfit. Yeah. So any of those topics you guys want to hit on, run with them. I just, I like to throw them against the wall and see what sticks. Can someone explain to me how Reva knew to go after Luke? The data, the, the communicator she found in the, at the end of the fifth episode had the message from Bail Organa. And he said, if I don't hear from you, I'll go to Tatooine. Where the boy? Owen will need help with the boy. Okay. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Now, Thank you. now, if you put that together with the first episode, mm -hmm. she singled Owen out of the crowd, saying, right. "You know right. something about a Jedi." Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. I'm I'm a little more okay with it now. So we're supposed to assume then that somehow she put it together that Luke is. <laughs> is Anakin's son and she's going to kill Anakin's son as revenge because she can't kill Anakin is that what is that what we're supposed to get out of this I would think so that she put it together that Kenobi was on Tatooine and Bail Organa said he can't find out about the children so all right you would assume that the he is Darth Vader and she knows that Vader's Anakin 
Okay. And with all that said, do we leave her alive? No. If you're if you're Obi Wan Kenobi. If you're the if you're the screenwriters, no. <laughs> I, I would have liked to have seen her go back to Vader is... to protect the secret. Okay. Be like go back and say that she killed Kenobi, and then he kills mm. her because he couldn't. So there's no way she could. And thus, the secret dies. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I'll say I thought Reva's best moments of the whole show were her having, you know, vulnerable conversations with Kenobi. And, like, uh, I thought that's, I mean, uh, I thought they were really good in those scenes. And I I did, like, you know, random note I scribbled down was Reva character growth. I mean, I thought her character grew through the show. And yeah, I mean, I, I think I thought it was kind of just to show, you know, Kenobi can feel that she's put all of this hate into this. And I think maybe you should maybe we should just assume that he can tell that it's because she didn't kill Luke because she brought him back, which I guess Luke is not going to remember that he was chased by a inquisitor with a lightsaber because he knocked his head on the rock. Um yeah, because uh, that... he, he doesn't know what a lightsaber is when he gets it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's one thing I was keeping my eye on in that scene was I was like, is Luke going to see, like, you know, an Inquisitor with a red lightsaber chasing him and not remember that? Did he that? ever see the lightsaber, no. though? No. No, he did not. I didn't no, think he, he did. Running. I was watching for the same thing. That's well done. Yep. Yeah. The, he. It, the only times that, like, he was interacting with her was when she was just chasing him down. But and yeah, she had the lightsaber out when she walked into the room, but he was already through he was already up the, the roof. Yeah. Yep, he was he was he was out. You know, Baru was ready to start popping off. Mm-hmm. Um, which was awesome. Baru was <laughs> but cool. yeah, I, yeah. I, thought it, Baru, I thought it was a good hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I just want to say the greatest line to come from this episode <laughs> is Baru was ready to start popping off. <laughs> <laughs> she was locked down to what man. <laughs> but since we're on to Riva I'll say um like a lot of critics uh when we're first introduced to Riva I, I I was not sold on her in that episode I felt like she's for an inquisitor she's not nearly threatening enough um I'm just not scared of her and I saw someone else online uh, criticized that um, it felt like she was trying too hard, uh, that this wasn't coming natural. And I, I agreed with that. Um, but it was, uh, what was it, e- episode five there with that battle that Dave uh, mentions where she gets vulnerable with Kenobi and they put together her backstory that she's the Padawan that, you know, that Anakin comes. And so she witnesses all that now. And then I was like, okay, now finally, I like this character. I'm a, now I'm a fan of this character. Now, now Reva makes sense. It makes sense now that, that in those first episodes that she was not threatening enough. Um, because of what her background was as a Jedi Padawan. Now it makes sense that, yes, she was trying too hard because this wasn't natural 
for her. She wasn't a good character. She's a, she's a legitimate dark side character because she's fueled by hate and revenge. She's just as dark side as everybody else. But she's got that 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 thing because of her background starting out as a Jedi Padawan, and she's not she's not in this for the same motivations as everybody else. She's different. So okay. Now Reva makes sense. Now I'm a fan of her. Now she's 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 legit. She's paid her dues. So you know, okay, going forward. Do do the Emperor and Darth Vader get rid of all the Inquisitors by the time we get to the original trilogy? Adam, haven't <laughs> most of them been killed off? I I think they're kind of. They're kind of one by one killed off. The the implication they they've implied strongly implied that they're all gone and out of the way by by a new hope, but they've not said definitively if if there. So we don't really know if there could be stragglers, but the, okay. we've seen all the ma major players uh, get killed by then. Even in uh, like the video game, the um, the uh, uh, Je Jedi Fallen Order. Um, I think all the unique inquisitors, there's two, maybe two, maybe three, those all die within the game. Okay. Uh, so yeah, I, I, they imply if, they're all dead. So if I can take that question and, and chase back a thread that Joe went down a little bit ago and, you know, talking about the, the sequel trilogy, how much different would a sequel trilogy have been if you take elements of like what was originally done with the expanded universe legends and you have an imperial remnant uh, you know because there is you know, there's there's just a group of people that refuse to let it go you have an imperial remnant that's out in the outer rim somewhere you know hidden and building up power and and getting ready and you have a lone surviving inquisitor who continues to go down the path of darkness who continues to study the the ways of the sith and who has spent all of this time all of these 30 years chasing down the secrets of the sith and that individual uh somehow um takes control within the empire within within the imperial remnant and thus begins their conquest of the galaxy to reclaim the glory of the Sith. And, and, and obviously then you've got different deals with Kylo Ren and, you know, that sort of thing with the family dynamics, but the Skywalkers are called on once again to have to step in and, and Luke is called on to, to protect the galaxy from the Sith. And, and maybe, you know, maybe, maybe Ben does get caught up in this somehow in a secret way. And, 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 and a lot of things happen kind of the way they did. But you end up with not negating what Luke had done. You know, there was something on the side that took place. And, and, there were, and so the legacy that Luke has is, is he trained this thing. And maybe we even get to see a great Jedi and Sith war like we always used to hear about and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. There were just a lot of opportunities, you know, with the, <clears throat> with the idea of the Inquisitors and what could have gone down that, that did not. And again, let's not complain about what was, and I know, but I just, you know, Joey, you were talking about that kind of idea and i and i just thought you know maybe yeah. let's imagine and chase down that thread for 30 seconds i i, I like it yeah go ahead Alfie. i like your idea 
you know, you're kind of replacing the Thrawn character with a Sith. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I like it both ways, but to agree with your point, I the thing that really stood out to me about the sequels that never really, I could never really grasp is who was the First Order? Mm. Who was Snoke? Who was Kylo Ren? Were <laughs> they Sith? Were they, you know, that was never really established mm. if they were Sith or not. You know yeah. what was their end goal? That's a whole. That's a whole other conversation. Yeah. I hey, think. we're getting we're getting ready. <laughs> so to get if you were books, to, they're going to tell if, us. I and I understand that, but I'm saying <laughs> movie wise, if you were to have used titles like that, that title yeah. tells you everything you need yeah. to know. Yeah. About the character. Right. I absolutely. I, I that that's one of the things like the the word Darth. You know, I I love <clears throat> when in back way back in '99 when we first learned of Darth Maul and, and Darth Sidious, I thought it was so cool to discover that Darth is a title. And so that when Obi-Wan tells Vader on the, on the Death Star, he says, now I'm the master. And Obi-Wan says, only a master of evil, Darth. Like he's literally just spitting it out. You know, it's not, mm-hmm. he's not calling him by his name. He's just right. saying, you're just a Darth. And I just, I think that's great. I, I loved that concept and that idea that Lucas introduced then. And the fact that Obi-Wan does that in this series during that final confrontation yeah. conversation, I thought was just uh, another one of those really great things about, about, you know, special moments in the show. Go ahead. D-Doc. I, I, one point I didn't want to miss, I think one of the highlights of this show was the, yeah, and you know, I crapped on some of the VFX and all the stuff earlier, but I thought one of the highlights of this show was Anakin's voice, Hayden Christensen's voice mm-hmm. mixing with that Darth Vader voice. <clears throat> and when he yeah. yelled for Obi-Wan, I mean, even even Obi-Wan saying, I'm sorry to him, you know, I, I was a man baby at that point. I had tears in my eyes. Um, but man, I, I thought that was seriously a big payoff for having yep. Hayden in this show and just hearing that sound I thought it was amazing agreed agreed um guys I'm looking at the clock we've been going for quite a long time um, <laughs> um so much more I know I know I I tell you what let's go around the room let's go around the room closing thoughts any anything you want to hit on that we didn't hit on and 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 get ready to shut her down Adam Bray we're going to start with you a for Adam I, and if we do, don't worry about it. <laughs> I, I need more toy time. I want to see. I want to see, <laughs> see what toys Steve has behind him, <laughs> and I want to run up to my room and show him my toys. <laughs> well, we we will we'll set up a special show, and it'll just be Toy Fair, Rule the Galaxy Toy Fair. I, I agree with you. You know yes. how upset people are, how sickening it would be to Star Wars fans if they were to see Azalea's backpack full of Black Series figures. That she plays with every day. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, not think. on a shelf, not in the box. They're in a backpack that she carries around all day long. That'd be go. awesome. But just think, we're gonna at some point very soon. They're gonna end up. Un- well, actually, no one has. Bro, it'll probably be next year when they unveil it. But we're gonna get a, a Darth Vader with battle damage uh, from the season finale at some point, and that's gonna be sweet. Yep, agreed, my friend. Agreed. D Doc, I'm gonna go to you next. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm overall. I mean, I'm happy with the show. I really, I, I really enjoyed that finale. I had said on Twitter I give the finale a ten out of ten because, I mean, while I asked questions during the show, while you know there was some stuff I might have not loved, I felt like that finale made me like stuff that I didn't like as much before in the show, and uh, I think that's why we have to have patience. And, uh, you know, while there's stuff we can critique and that's okay if you critique it, it doesn't have to turn into a war. You're allowed mm -hmm. to critique things. And, you know, if someone loves something that I don't love, I'm not going to tell them to love it. You know, if you're a Dallas Cowboys fan, I'm not going to tell you to be a Philadelphia Eagles fan. That's just not how it works. So yeah. uh, there's, there's things that I loved about it, things I didn't. But overall, I'm pretty darn satisfied with this show. It hit the right points at the end. So I'm happy. Good, good. Alfie, let's hear from you. Uh, like I said, I really enjoyed the series. I enjoyed the finale. I think it was a, although I did enjoy it, I think it was a big miss in the finale not to focus on the topic of fuel and fuel usage as they were <laughs> chased by the Star Destroyer. But I can overlook that. You save that for the end. Oh, I've been God. sitting on it all day, man. Hey, Kenobi ship had hyperspace on it. Oh, uh, you noticed that. <laughs> he jumped to uh, Tatooine in like five seconds. Oh, yeah, pretty awesome. You guys, we have this killer show that yeah. I almost destroyed by making people upset, and Alfie brings that in at the end. Fuel. It's uh, it's the most important aspect to any Star Wars story now. You got fuel usage. The, you got to wonder what the fuel prices are in a galaxy yeah. far, far away. Um, Mr. Glosson, I'll I finish up with I can't you. Top, I can't top anything Alfie just did. <laughs> uh, Alfie, Alfie wins the day with that one. I, I, I did overall, again, I, I just repeat what I say. I disagree with Adam on Riva. And Adam, I think that's a conversation we can take to geek out loud here pretty soon. All right. Um, I, I, uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm not mad about disagreeing with Adam. I just disagree with him on that, on that character. I, I think that for all of this show's flaws that it, it did do, I don't think fan service is a bad word. And I, and I think that when it gave us fan service in the way that we wanted it, it really was, was good stuff. I did notice one of the things I did notice is the lightsaber uses the way that they, the new technology they're using to have lightsabers on set because they're, they apparently are actual lights in some instances yes. they're using they cast off much more of a glow than a rotoscope lightsaber from back in the day and what they did digitally with them. Um, I don't know where I stand on that at this point. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of, it was a little bit distracting as a lifelong, you know, used to kind of the way the lightsaber is supposed to look, but there was a moment though, speaking of that in that last fight that they had where Vader in, in Obi-Wan lock sabers and Vader's saber shortens up a little bit like it does because of the rotoscoping style in episode four, there's a moment in episode four where Vader hits and it looks like his lightsaber is shortened. And so they went ahead and did that for a little bit of fun huh. lightsabers continuity. I noticed real quick, wow. just a real blink and you miss it moment. I thought it was really wow. super cool. that They threw that in. Um, look, I, I love talking star Wars. I love talking the nuances and the mythology of star Wars. And, and this show gives us a lot of things like that to talk about, particularly with, mm -hmm. One thing that I haven't heard people jump into, and we didn't get to tonight, is Obi-Wan's struggle to use the Force and, and, and that muscle almost atrophying over 10 years and, and how 
we see that build up and, and, and it all kind of comes to fruition really in that fourth episode that a lot of people didn't like because it was a repeat kidnapping. I didn't see it as a repeat kidnapping. I saw it as a continuation of what had already been going on. And I really enjoyed that episode because it, it focused on Obi-Wan and sneaking around and all this other stuff. And, and, um, and, and so uh, I, I, I love the arc of Obi-Wan Kenobi. I thought that they did the, the PTSD, the stress mm -hmm. and the struggle of, of, of coming out of what he came out of much better than they did with Boba Fett. Boba Fett, you know, because I remember people saying, I just want to see him have to overcome something. I'm like, he crawled out of a Sarlacc pit. What more do you have to overcome? Um, but I, I think that, uh, that they did it really well with Obi-Wan. Uh, I do. I think his character arc was really, really good in this. Anytime I can see Ewan McGregor play Obi-Wan Kenobi, I'm going to be happy. Yeah, and down with that. Will I, we get a season two, Joe? I think they left it open there. I think um, one, not killing Reva. Two, Vader saying that they're sending out uh, things looking for him all over the galaxy. And three, Qui-Gon saying there's a lot we've got to do. Come on, let's go. I, I think they left it open. And I'm... I, Going into it, I was nervous, but after seeing this, I think you could do another. You could do yeah. another story. You got nine years in between now and a new hope. You could do another story yeah. that that wouldn't conflict with any of that. So, yeah. I, I I think it's open for that, and and I think I think they're getting good enough reviews and good enough ratings on this that that they're going to say, wow, we we've kind of hit something with this yeah. one. So, um, so yeah, I'm going to say yes, we will at some point with in time. I agree with those first three episodes. If that was all there was, I would have said, no, please don't just stop it here. Um, but because of the, the last three episodes, I'm going to say, yes, I'd, I'd like to see more. So please go ahead. Go. See more. There we go. Hey, um, Star Wars fans, Rule of Galaxy fans, it's been a long show. If you stuck with us this whole time, I hope you've been entertained because I have been. This has been great. Um, some of my regular co-hosts in, in Alfie and D-Doc who just kicked butt and took names. And then our special co-hosts who, you know what, I wish I could have them on every week, but I don't want to bug them to do that every week. And, and it's, I think it also builds up to make it even more fun and exciting when we have them on just every now and then. So uh, to D-Doc, to Alfie, to Adam, to Steve Glosson, guys, thank you so very much for being with us tonight. Um, guys, you can follow us just track down rule of the galaxy everywhere. I'm not going to go through the list. It's been fun. Kenobi was fun. Let's see where it goes from here in the next series. And until next week, may the force be with you.